Good morning. I'm Drew Barnes. I'm one of the elders here. Before we jump into our sermon this morning, let's just open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do humbly come before you, knowing that your word is powerful. And so, Lord, we do come with expectation that through your word and the working of your spirit that you will give us ears to hear, hearts to understand and receive your word. And Father, I pray that everything we say and do will be glorifying to you. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Take a moment, think back on your school years, whether it's middle school or high school or maybe college. And as you're thinking back, think through some of the teachers that you had. Some, probably not so good. And those classes with those teachers were a struggle. They were hard to get through. It was hard to maybe even show up for that class. I've definitely has taken some of those classes with some of those teachers before. But there's other teachers who are great teachers, and I hope that you had at least one great teacher, a teacher who inspired you, who believed in you, who made learning fun. I had several of those along my education, and uh, I'm thankful that there's two at seminary that I enjoyed being around. There's one professor in particular where I took at least four or five of his classes. While I did enjoy the subject that he was teaching, I knew that he believed in me. I knew that uh, he cared for me as a student. I eagerly waited for office hours so I could meet with him and talk with him and learn from him. And I hope that we all have encountered at some point in our life a great teacher. And as we will look in our text, we, whether you have encountered a great teacher or not, we will see that Jesus is a great teacher. He's more than a teacher that we'll see, but he is a great teacher. And this will be one of the principles, one of the pillars that will make up Jesus's ministry. And so if you haven't already, would you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4? We'll start in verse 23. This is a passage, if I'm honest, and I'm kind of doing this on my own, I would probably skim through this passage, these three verses, and yep, got it, let's move on, because there's going to be better stuff to come on the Sermon on the Mount. We'll uh, approach next week and the weeks to come. There's going to be other things that would intrigue my interest even more, and again, if I'm honest, as I prepare for the sermon And I see, wow, it's only three verses, and it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot happening in these three verses. Let me tell you that there is a lot happening. And this is what I love about just going slowly through Matthew, that even these verses that seem insignificant are so significant. And they are inspired by the Word of God. And we can learn from even these verses. 
So if you would, join me again in Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 23. We're just going to walk through this text and make some observations and applications along the way. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Pause real quick. Let's do some observation. Look down at that text. Take a few seconds and see if there's any words that pop out at you. There's three words that I'm looking for. So take a few seconds. Read through verse 23 again and see if you can notice any words of importance. Hopefully you had a little bit of time. There's three words, three verbs that Matthew tells us what Jesus is doing. He is teaching, he is preaching, and he is healing. And these three verbs are going to determine what Jesus is about. As we looked at last week, as Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee and he sees Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, and John, and James, there's intentionality there. He's not just walking along, kicking a rock, and hopefully he stumbles upon a couple people that will follow him. No, there's intentionality. And in the same way, there is intentionality here. He doesn't just happen to stumble into teaching. He doesn't just happen to find himself in the synagogue with the scroll open and people gathered around him. He doesn't just happen to find himself among those who are sick and full of disease and just happens to heal them. There is intentionality here. And as we continue to journey through, through the book of Matthew, we will see that these will become pillars of Jesus' ministry, especially as he trains his disciples and makes disciples. So with these, we're going to camp out here. We're going to look at each pillar, healing, preaching, and teaching. And we're going to take it in that order. I know Matthew doesn't lay it out in that order, but for our purposes today, we will first look at healing, and then preaching, and then teaching. So first, healing. Let's read in verse 24, or end of verse 23, entering to 24, and healing every disease, Jesus is, and sickness among the people. Verse 24, then the news about him spread through all Syria. So they brought to him all those who were afflicted, those suffering from various diseases and intense pains and demon-possessed epileptics and paralytics. The first thing that I want to, for us to observe this morning is that Jesus isn't casting people away. He isn't telling them to go home. He isn't saying, hey, I have important things to do of teaching and preaching. But we see he's engaging with people. He's engaging not with just people, but people in need. And most of these people are going to be unclean people. If you recall a few weeks ago, when Stuart was preaching on the baptism of Jesus, 
He showed a picture of the Jordan River and how dirty it was. But not just physically dirty, but it was dirty because sinners were entering into that river. And he made the point that Jesus goes into the river with sinners. And that just doesn't end with the baptism of Jesus, but we see it here too, that he is engaging with unclean people. Now, according to Jewish law, it should make him unclean as well, but as we see, Jesus doesn't become unclean, but he makes the unclean clean. And what wonderful news this is for us today. If you are here this morning and you feel like an outcast, if you feel like you're inadequate, if you feel like you're not loved, know that Jesus sees you. Jesus is willing and inviting you to draw near to him. And he knows your needs. And he doesn't say, I'm too busy for you. I'm too busy ruling this kingdom, this world. But he comes and says, let me listen. He cares for you. He loves you. You see, for Jesus, people are the mission. We see at the beginning of Matthew, Jesus came to save his people from their sins. People are the mission. Sometimes we can get distracted of that. Sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, where even the idea of discipleship, making disciples, the process of which I can take someone through to become a disciple becomes more important than the person itself. We could get so focused on making disciples that we forget to care for and love one another. We don't see Jesus doing that. Instead, we do see him doing the opposite. I want to say as an elder, we care and love you, the church, this church. And I understand that sometimes we get distracted by tasks. We get distracted by things and budgets and all sorts of things. And I know at times we will disappoint. And I want to say I'm sorry. But I also ask for your mercy and grace. And pray for us that we would be reminded just as we look at this passage that it is about people. Know that you are cared for. That you are loved I love this church. I love being amongst you, worshiping our God with you. And so hear this today. We see as Jesus is healing, he cares for the needs of his people. In the same way, may we also care for one another. Be reminded that the mission 
It is about people. From this, he invites these people, these unclean people, into the kingdom of God. And this goes into our next point that Jesus preaches. Yes, there is a difference between teaching and preaching. While both have similar elements, there is a distinction between the two. Just like in our English, there's two different words for preaching and teaching. Same in Greek, there's two different words between preaching and teaching. This word for preaching, caruso, means to act as a herald and make an official announcement to proclaim aloud to make public declaration. This is a picture here of a herald coming into a city or a village and gathering the whole village by blowing a horn or something to get everyone's attention. And as soon as everyone's gathered and there's a hush, he will declare, he will proclaim something on behalf of the king. And this is what we are doing when we are preaching. We are declaring what the king has said. I like how J.I. Packer talks about preaching. He says this, Preaching appears in the Bible as relaying of what God has said about himself and his doings, and about men in relationship to him, plus oppressing of his commands, promises, warnings, and assurance with a view to winning the hearer or hearers to a positive response. And this is what Jesus is doing. He is proclaiming not just anything, but we see Matthew records he is proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And through this proclamation, he is inviting people into the kingdom of God. What is this message that he is proclaiming? Well, we've seen this already from the mouth of John the Baptist and of Jesus. We see that Jesus says, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. We've preached on this several times already, so I'm not going to go in depth. But I just want to remind you of a definition that we've been using, and uh, Mark Barnes quoted this, and I think it is appropriate for our time today to remember what biblical repentance is, and he quoted this. Biblical repentance means responding to God's love by being transformed in your convictions and actions. It means turning towards God and away from whatever dishonors Him. Biblical repentance is not about your emotions, your sin, your efforts, or your resolve. It is about your surrender. Are you willing to surrender everything to the king? Again, this is a, a reminder that we are called to repent. But I think there is more to this. And understandably, in our text this morning, Jesus has not been crucified yet and raised. That will come. But to the writer or hearers of Matthew... That has already taken place. And even to us today, that we know that, that, and that Jesus has been crucified and he has raised again. And so, entering into the kingdom 
means faith in the gospel. What is the gospel? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) To understand the gospel, it starts with understanding who God is. And if we read the Old Testament and the New Testament, we can't divorce the two. And we have to understand that the same God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. And I've heard it said that while I like the God of the New Testament, but I I don't like the angry God of the Old Testament, we see God's nature revealed in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And in the Old Testament particularly, we see and understand that God is a just, righteous, and holy God. And we quickly see, if we just read the first three chapters of this book, we quickly see that man is evil and wicked. And so we encounter an issue. We encounter the great dilemma because if God is completely just, he therefore must condemn sinners. It's in his nature. But yet, we see God continually justifying sinners. And so then the question that arises then is how can a just God justify sinners? This is what the gospel is. This is the answer that the, or the question that the gospel is answering. How can a just God justify sinners? Only through the personhood and work of Jesus Christ. God becoming man. We see that he came with a purpose, knowing that he would be nailed to the cross. While there, I don't want to take away from the physical suffering of Christ, but it's so much more than that. If we just end with the physical suffering of Christ, we miss out on the gospel. Because Christ took on the full wrath of God. In the garden when Jesus said, let this cup pass, it wasn't necessarily the physical suffering that he will go through, but it was the wrath of God that should have been poured out on us, but it was poured out on Jesus. And the Father crushed his Son with his wrath. This is the power of the gospel. This is where the power of the gospel lies. The father didn't turn away because he couldn't save his son from the Roman soldiers. But because his son became a curse, his son became a sin on our behalf and took on the full wrath of God for us. This is where the power of the gospel lies. And so then how can a just God justify sinners because of the work of Jesus Christ who took on the full wrath of God the Father 
on our behalf. And so then Jesus can be a just God and the justifier. He can redeem. He's the only one that can redeem us as sinners. And so he doesn't just invite us to draw near to him, but he invites us to draw near to him because he can redeem us. Brothers and sisters, this gospel is more than just something we should say for five, ten minutes and move on to something else. This must be what we dedicate and study and know and base our life on. There's so much other things we can get caught up in, whether that's end times, whether that's how he calls people, whether whatever that is, we will figure all that out in eternity, but we must know and understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. Dedicate your life to knowing and studying the gospel. Read through the gospels over and over and over again. And when you think you understand the gospel, keep reading it over and over again. May we never graduate from understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we always come on our knees to the cross of Christ, understanding that it's Jesus who took on the full wrath of God. And this is where the power of the gospel lies. It's so much more than Jesus dying and going through a physical death. It's Jesus who came to be our propitiation, took on the full wrath of God. But he didn't just stay dead. We know, we have hope that he was resurrected. What glorious news. May we go and preach this news to the ends of the earth. And so if he has called you into the kingdom and if he has redeemed you, he has also given us his teachings. And so this is the third pillar of Jesus' ministry If we start back at the beginning of verse 23 in Matthew chapter 4, now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. See, we've been talking about the kingdom. Kingdom come. Part of the kingdom, God has established his law. The law of the land. Now this is a good law. It's a law not to enslave us or detain us, but it's a law that gives us freedom. How do we know this law? How do we know the teachings of Jesus? Well, read through the Gospels. And I'm so excited for what's to come Because starting next week, we will be entering into the Sermon on the Mount. And we'll spend several weeks and months walking, slowly walking through the teachings of Jesus. And as we do, I pray that we will prepare ourselves to receive the teachings of Jesus. I don't know about you, but many times it's easier to 
talk through and think through some high theology. And maybe it's parsing out what Jesus is saying. It's thinking through all the theology and doctrine of what Jesus is saying. It's maybe having debate about what Jesus is saying. While those things are good and needed, we can't just live in this realm of high theology, but we have to make it practical. We have to live this out because this is how we are being prepared to enter into the kingdom of God. And so I ask that this week, even today, let's just take a few seconds and come before God. And would you just ask that through His Spirit that He would soften your heart, that we would have a hunger and eagerness to follow the teachings of Jesus. And I know that we will start encountering some things that we won't settle well in our souls. That we'll say, hey, I'm just, I'm not going to do that. That's not really in my nature. I, I don't have the ability to follow that. But I'm going to follow, I'll follow these rules. And we can kind of pick and choose a little bit. But may we take seriously the teachings of Jesus and know and follow him. And so let's just take a few seconds silently, come before God. Pray that through his spirit that we would be eager and wanting to learn at the feet of Jesus. We do thank you that you have given us your word and your teachings, and may we just follow you. May we hear your words closely in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus, for your words. Amen. I pray that this will become part of us. As you walk through your weeks, you know that we'll be in the book of Matthew. Read slowly the verses for the next week. Read slowly. Be on your knees praying that God, through the power and dependence upon the Holy Spirit, will convict us, will show us how to live so that we can be prepared to enter the kingdom of God. I do want to say that it's, once again, it's not by our works that we are saved. Is by faith and faith alone in Jesus and the gospel. But it's our response to what he has done. Understanding that Jesus took on the full wrath of God. Paid the penalty that we deserved. So that we can enter into his kingdom. So brothers and sisters, may we take seriously the teachings of Jesus. And understand that while he is a great teacher, he is more than a great teacher. He is our Savior.
And when we read through Scripture and through the Holy Spirit convicts us of things, may we quickly fall on our knees and repent. And remember, I'm just going to read this definition of repentance one more time. Biblical repentance means responding to God's love by being transformed in your convictions and actions. It means turning towards God and away from whatever dishonors Him. Biblical repentance is not about your emotions or your sins, your efforts, or your resolve. It is about your surrender. Are you willing to surrender everything to the King? Brothers and sisters, I've been praying for each of you. I will continue to pray for each of you, and I pray maybe for you this morning. You just need that encouragement that Jesus sees you, He loves you, He cares for you. Maybe for some, I pray that you needed to be reminded of the gospel. Maybe you're hearing the gospel for the first time. And you need to respond to this. I'll be up here afterwards if you want to talk. We have other elders and people with prayer tags on, prayer lanyards, that would be more than willing to talk. So maybe you need to respond to the gospel. Or I also pray that maybe some of you... The, Spirit will give you a hunger and a desire to follow Him and obey Him, that you have received and understood the gospel, that you have entered into the kingdom of God. And I pray that He will give you a desire to follow the teachings of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, what glorious news that Jesus came to teach to preach, and to heal. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus and the love that was demonstrated upon the cross to save a wretched soul like mine. Father, all we have to boast in is the cross. Nothing in our ability or knowledge or wisdom, but just the cross of Christ. So may we cling to that cross. May we cling to the teachings of Jesus. And by the power of your Spirit, may we desire your kingdom and surrender everything over to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.